This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to the weekend special, the Double Tap Express for Saturday, the 12th of August, 2023. You're listening to Double Tap Express. Your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, hello, Sean Priest. Happy weekend. Is it, Stephen Scott? Is it? Are you okay, my friend? Are you okay? I'm all right. I think it's because when I start the show, I've got so many buttons to press. Oh, I see. You are confused. I've got to <laughs> actually work. You sounded so serious on that I, intro. I, I, I did. It was slightly scared. Scared. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry about that, folks. It was. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, there's something under my chair as well. Where's that? Well, there should be. It's called the floor. Yeah, no, that's all right. That's still there. Okay, good. It's like if you get a cable that runs under your chair and just gets oh, stuck. Oh, nightmare! There. Yes, and especially if it gets tangled up in the caster. In the and, caster. Oh, it's a hard life. It's a hard no, life. You can't sing it. We'll have to pay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's why I said it's Stop a hard it. life. You see, if you take the word out, it's fine. Uh, do you know what I was thinking of actually buying a new office chair? Well, now then, why? <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking... <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, I was going to say, it's funny we're in sync, but that sounds oh. like we made it up. But we are, because mine has started to lower itself. You know, the gas, oh. whatever it is. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm getting lower and lower and closer to that floor every day. Yeah, I, I just gave up on that. What I did, I just put it at the lowest setting. And therefore, it allows the gas to be retained. Okay. That's, Do you know, because please. it's like it's all in the... I, I don't know how these things work, but right, but the, the, the thing that's in there, which makes it yeah. go zoom, to lift the it up. The piston thing, yes. The piston thing. It, I assume it must draw air in. No, no. It it's, it's, it's oil-filled, isn't it? Or, or oil gas? Oil-filled? Gas-filled? Yeah, obviously oh, we don't, don't know. know anything about no, I, I don't understand how they work, but basically I don't use that setting. I just have it set to the lowest possible setting. Anyway, the chair and itself I've got is okay. But your I've... legs are out in front of you then. What are you talking no, about? No, no, no. Yeah, but here's the thing. No, I know, I know, because it's too low. But yeah. And I know ergonomically it's not uh-huh. ideal. Mm-hmm. But look, the point is, and I promise I'll get to a point at some point before the end of the show. <laughs> um, I was in London last week. And we were doing the interview with Matt Ater from Vespero. You're going to hear that next week on the show. And uh, whilst I was doing the interview, I was sitting on this chair. I don't know what type of chair it was, but what I can tell you about it is the whole thing was made of mesh. So not foam filled or, you know, memory foam or any of that kind of thing. You're not sitting on foam. You're sitting on a mesh. You're essentially, Sean, sitting on air. Sorry, did you record this on a bench? Was this a hammock you were sat in? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, you get these chairs now. I've been researching since I came back. Yes. Uh, mesh chairs. Now, yeah, generally, doesn't that, doesn't that leave a, a slight pattern on your rumpage? Ah, uh, not that I know have of. You, have you checked? <laughs> no, I've not been back there in many times, many years. So, uh, no, can't can't say I know, but. Um, okay. And now thinking about that is a problem. Uh, but no, th- th- no. basically, it's a, your average office chair style, style but instead of having those foam-filled pads that you sit on and you lean against, it's just breathable mesh. Okay, well, that sounds absolutely awful. It's like you're trying to sieve yourself. I, I, no, yeah. I don't like the sound of that at all. I'm a heavy so gentleman. Comfortable. No, 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 no. You, you don't poke through it. I see what you're thinking. Oh, I would. Oh, I see Trust what you're me. thinking. You're thinking you're sitting on some kind of plastic uh, seating, like sometimes you do outdoors sometimes. You'll sit on those plastic seats that have got the, the little plastic ridges and you're sitting on them and half of you is kind of pushing its way through those. Pl- yes, it's not a pleasant sight, to be yes. perfectly honest. I, let's be blunt. My bum would look like a waffle, is what I'm exactly. saying. Exactly. No, no, no. You don't. This is this is breathable mesh fabric. I should have added the word fabric. Yes, oh, breathable okay. mesh fabric. It was so nice. Now I have looked up. There's a company called I want to say Herman Miller. I think I think he was also in the Monsters. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes. outside of the Monsters, had a fantastic chair business. And, um, yeah, this is a, a company that makes these chairs. 
and they're extremely expensive. I was looking up, right, because you obviously you know this is it, right? You start looking into all these things. And there's one, let's just say for the larger gentleman, um, mm. built for, they actually, and this is what I like about this company, they actually develop chairs in different sizes. And the oh. recommendation for me, which I kind of take offense to, was size C. C standing for chubby. <laughs> and uh, this can take a weight of up to 160 kilograms. Is is that a lot? I don't work in kilograms. I well, am... if you're talking stone, you're talking 24 stone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, know. I, thought, I was thinking, I like a little I'll, bit more I'll, I'll need to lose some room, do <laughs> some weight to get on this. But no, th- that would be fine for me, right? And I thought that's good because that's the, the sort of recommended maximum weight. So if you think, well, okay, if you are a little bit heavier, then this would actually not be a bad chair to go for because you want it to be able to withstand especially that mesh fabric you ideally want it to to you know last more than a day um <laughs> you're so understated if you are a little bit heavier <laughs> if you're huge like us isn't it terrible doesn't that really make you go what have i done to myself oh i know when you got to check the maximum weight capacity of anything absolutely everything gym equipment i can't go on half the equipment in our gym because i, I am way over the maximum weight limit. and when i was looking for chairs it was exactly oh that one only does 17 stone or something it's, oh my god sean you gotta sort yourself out well, my wife and I tried years ago to go, well, she she tried, and God love her, she always tries with me to get me to, you know, find new ways. She'll do everything. She'll change, she'll try new things in the diet. She'll try exercising classes. She'll try going out for walks. Try, and I'm just hopeless at ever engaging in, in most of it. And it's terrible. I feel so bad about it. And I do, because I, I do. You know, the thing Not is, you do Not bad enough, obviously. No, no but, 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 but it's that thing, right, where you kind of, you want to lose weight. You do want to lose it, but you just don't want to do anything to do it. You know, because, yeah, of course. You, because you're so, you're everything's such a, a strain as it is. Yes, the prospect of going out for a walk, you think, oh. and you know, it's funny because people often say to me, "Is it because of your weight you don't go out walking?" I say, "Yeah, it is actually," but you know, also you've got the compound of the the, the blindness as well, so you've got the challenge of having to navigate around with a cane, and you know, you you can't ever get a good walk. You're not. I don't think you get a good walk. Personally, if you're on your own with a cane, maybe with on, a dog is it. different. Go on, take take the heat here. Controversial what? statement coming. What? Are you saying the blind never have a good walk? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying the blind on their own with a cane don't have a good walk. There, oh, I said wait. it. He said it. Unbelievable. Feedback at double tap on air.com. <laughs> Stephen Scott was his name. Mr. Ed. <laughs> No, he's still asleep. It's fine. I, I probably, he's, you know, a few whiskeys yeah, last night. He'll be out for the yeah, count. We won't right. hear from him till Monday. Be fine. But um, um, no, I, I, you know, I, I actually, oh God, I'm going to throw myself under the bus with you. But I, I kind of agree. We had this conversation slash argument the other day, <laughs> me and Sarah, about um, me going into the gym a little bit more. I do have my own stuff in there, uh, and she said, "Well, you could start walking a little bit more." But the thing is, when I go out for a walk, and I'm not great at my mobility, as everyone knows, I'm more than happy to admit to, I never get to a point where I can get a, a I'm going to say sweat on, uh, yeah. for the want of a less gross phrase. No, no, that's right. I, I do walk quite slowly. It doesn't feel slowly when I'm actually doing it, but I'm sure <laughs> as compared to how I used to walk when I could see, it, it's different. A 95-year-old man just walks past yeah. you, you think, hang on, what? <laughs> Well, now plus my leg, I'm not too, I hobble around a bit. So, uh, yeah, uh, even when I go out for a walk, I don't feel like I've exerted myself at all. And I think you do need to hit that point. You know, get a li- little bit out of breath and things like that to, to have an impact if we're talking exercise-wise. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of blind people who, and again, I say this on the own because I know a lot of blind people who've got partners who they'll go out walking with. So oftentimes the cane is in the hand, but they're they're holding on to their partner. Or the guide dog can often be great. I know my wife, because she can walk for miles with that guide dog. I mean, she yeah. just walks and walks and walks. But I, you know, for me, as much as I look at that sometimes and think, God, that would be really good for me, I, just, I, I feel like to have to have a dog to achieve that, it's, it's an awful lot of additional extra you know, to go for a walk. It is. Can, can you hire a guide dog? Is that an option? Could you hire one for a couple of weeks? Because <laughs> like I'd be okay with a that. Taxi. We need a, a guide dog Uber app. Yeah, that's what we need. Send a dog round. Yeah, we're saying all this, of course, and both you and I have a home gym. I know. It's an absolute disgrace. There's no excuse whatsoever. Yeah. But this, so my wife and I went (sighs) to this thing years ago, 
in England, and it was like a walking holiday, right? And the idea was it, it intends to get you started on your fitness, right? And I honestly thought, I'll never do this. I, you know, I mean, I wanted to go. I did actually feel, and I, I didn't feel railroaded into it at all. I actually kind of felt like this would be quite a nice thing. It's a beautiful part of the country to go to. And you're out in the outdoors every day, and it was lovely. Uh, and by the end of the, I, I went from doing two miles in the on the Monday, I think it was Sunday, when we started. And it was like 6 a.m. start. You had to get up and you had to do yoga and exercise. And I'm like, geez, Sunday that morning. You know? awful. Oh, yes. I mean, it, it felt like torture, really. Torture in, a, in an English town. I mean, it was ridiculous. And um, here I am, you know, doing all this stuff at six o'clock in the morning and, and, you know, under my breath, cursing constantly. And, you know, by the end of it, I was walking 22 miles at the end of that week in a day. Wow. And not even thinking about it. And what happened? Well. You went back home life and totally did happened. nothing. Yeah. Life happened. I went back and, and normality resumed. But, you know, in between it, we had these pep talks from the people who worked there, right? They would come in and they would have people who would sit with you and they'd talk through your lifestyle. And they'd say, well, talk about your job and talk about what you do. And I explained to them the kind of job I have, which is sedentary. There's no way around that. I mean, there's not many, I don't think there's many radio shows done from a park as you walk no. around. Um, I mean, we could try it, I suppose. <laughs> I don't think anybody would want to hear it. I certainly wouldn't want to hear myself breathing. <gasps> yeah, trying to and walk the rustle of the that. hedge as I'm trapped in it. Yeah, That's absolutely. right, exactly. And then, you know, someone <laughs> wants to stop and pat the cane or whatever. Um, so, you know, he said to me, this guy, you know what you should do? He says, you should leave your job. And I ah. said, and do what? He said, well, do something physical. Go and get, go and get a job where you're more physical, you're moving around. <laughs> like what? Well, I, I mean, okay, take the sight loss thing out of it for a minute, right? Take the blindness out of it. Just, just think about this for a second. So this career, which I've worked on since pretty much the age of 15 when I started in hospital radio here in the UK, then at 19 getting my first job and, and been doing this thing my whole life and love it and absolutely adore what I do. This thing I do, I should just give up completely. I mean, is that, yes. is that reasonable? <laughs> <laughs> I just think um, is that really the is that the answer to this? I okay, was so gonna, annoyed at the end of that. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to give all this calories. Up. He knows his job. Well done. He's I'm only on here for an hour a day. Psychology. I, mean, I, I could just walk in between. You could have suggested that. Why do you take you a walk before standing it? desk? Well, I do have a standing desk. I mean, it never stands, but it sits yes, it's in a fantastic position of sitting. Pointless. Um, but look, to play devil's advocate for a moment, you know what's more important: your health. Stephen Scott, or your career? Um, I'll defer yes. all responses to my lawyer. <laughs> and uh, I'd also like to plead the fifth. And uh, I'd like to say, I'll let my wife decide. Now, she will say health. Um, yes, of course. Yes. And then she'll say, who's paying You're the bills? Beloved. Yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> right? I want a new hot tub. Yes. Yeah, I want a new man, is what she'll be saying at the end of it. This one's useless. He doesn't do anything. Wow. Um, well, that was a strange 10 minutes, I must yeah. say. I just, um, I, But, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, I know you, we can use excuses all day, all night about, you know, why we don't do, oh, inaccessible gyms. And, and look, it's not, these are not all excuses. I mean, we use them as excuses, but they're not all excuses. Because, you know, there are some realities in this. I mean, you know, going to the gym is not fun, but a lot of blind people do it. A lot of blind people love it. It's, it's not for me. It's just not for me. I, honestly, it's not. But I, I, I do just, I just need to get off my backside. That's the bottom line. You know, people say all the time, well, go on a diet, oh. do this diet, try this diet, eat this, do that. Do you know what? Eat less crap and walk oh. more. That's it. That's all okay you need to that? do. Yeah, uh, apparently that's okay. Um, yeah, well, don't do the cabbage diet. Let me say that for one thing. Oh, no, um, don't do any diet. Because right. I guarantee you, any diet you try, you will fail. There's people that go on about diets all the time. Oh, I try this or I only eat this on a Tuesday. Or I only have this on a... Just eat. But eat smart. I'm sitting here telling people this. I'm telling myself. What's on your this. desk right now? Yeah, don't even ask. Don't even ask. Do you know what I had yesterday? I was very proud of myself. I had an apple. I had an apple yesterday. Yeah, oh, thank well you. That's one thank of your you. five a year. Five, five, you. five a year. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I had uh, apple. Um, which I thought was very on brand for me, actually. I thought that kind of made yes. sense. The yes. only fruit in, on, in the forest I could find is the one that also matches my computer. Um, but anyway, yeah. that brought us back to tech. That was nice. Um, well done. 
So yes, this is Double Tap Express. Hello. Uh, today, uh, we're kind of drifting off the, the, the track a little bit. Um, the train is still on track, bar, bar. but, you know, you. maybe running a little bit, you know, between stations at the moment. Um, so what we decided to do today was get into some of the feedback that we get. We get so much of it through the week. And uh, some of the topics, they don't necessarily lend themselves directly to tech, and but we still want to cover what you've been talking about because they do... Uh, and they are definitely part of the conversations that we've been having. So yes. we'll dive into some of that. But I think first we should do what, is be- what has become a double tap express tradition you yes. know, in four weeks. Um, <laughs> and that is the Double Tap News with Grace Scofield. Double Tap News with Grace Scofield. Thanks, guys. A new smartphone has been unveiled aimed at the blind and low vision community. The Smart Vision 3, produced by French company Capsis, is an official Google-certified device that stands out due to its tactile keypad, allowing users with low vision to control the phone without relying on touchscreen gestures. The company says this design choice enhances the user experience for those dependent on screen readers to navigate their devices. The Smart Vision 3 offers several unique features, including a dedicated button for quick access to the Google Assistant and voice commands, special pre-installed apps such as a banknote recognizer, color detector, light detector, and magnifier, and compatibility with apps from Google Play, including popular ones like Facebook, Twitter, Uber, and Amazon. There's even a custom wireless charger designed specifically for the visually impaired. Robert Felger is from Raz Mobility, the company which sells the device exclusively in the U.S. He told Double Tap that the introduction of a tactile keypad and easy access to voice controls represents a significant advancement in inclusive design for those who are blind or low vision. The answer to that is, I think, familiar to many people who try to learn talkback or voiceover, which is that for many people... Doing those gestures on a touchscreen is challenging, especially for many seniors who are older, who didn't grow up blind, who aren't that familiar with technology, whose patience perhaps isn't what it used to be. Learning that is challenging. On the other hand, people are typically very comfortable with using touch. It's not new to them. We use touch for all kinds of things every day before, you know, while we have vision and after we've lost our vision. So having the ability to use a tactile keypad rather than learning those gestures makes learning how to use a full-fledged smartphone, I think, much, much easier for someone who's older and who might have challenges with those, uh, with those touchscreen gestures. Developing Story. As we've been reporting on Double Tap, changes at Reddit have placed some third-party apps that made the site more accessible to blind people under threat. Among them was Dystopia, a popular app tailored for disabled, blind, and low-vision users. However, in a heartening turn of events, the Dystopia developer announced on the r slash Dystopia for Reddit subreddit that the app will continue its free service. The decision follows a collaborative discussion with Reddit, which showcased its commitment to accessibility. The two parties reached an agreement that Dystopia would receive complimentary access to Reddit's new Data API, as long as it remains unmonetized and primarily serves its niche user base. Additionally, to fill the void left by other third-party app closures, Dystopia has been submitted for App Store review. Its official launch is anticipated by month's end. However, users should note potential restrictions on NSFW content. That's content that is not safe for workplaces due to API modifications. The development has been met with widespread community appreciation, underscoring the app's significant impact on its dedicated user base. However, some are still disgruntled that popular apps like Apollo are no more due to Reddit's decision. A leading disability advocate says Meta's Ray-Ban Stories smart glasses have seen a decline in user engagement, signaling a need for enhancements. DoubleTap contributor Colin Hughes says there are several steps the company should take to improve the product. Ideas include a proposed voice-activated do-not-disturb mode, which would allow users to avoid interruptions, especially during crucial activities. Also, to improve communication, Colin says that the Facebook Assistant should be optimized to read out longer messages, reducing users' reliance on their phones. Also, enabling users to verbally dictate emojis could add expressiveness to text interactions. 
For capturing moments, the integration of a smart button could offer a discrete method for photo and video capture, eliminating the need for vocal commands. Colin used the capture feature to document his recent visit to see his parents, who he had not seen for four years due to the pandemic. Needless to say, it was an emotional reunion. Oh, well, well, You're looking well. Hey, I'm doing okay. Oh, I'm good. Good to see you. You all right? Yes. <laughs> How are you? Yes. Well, well. A U.S. assistive tech startup has teamed up with John Hopkins University's Disability Health Research Center to develop Low Vision Connect, a digital community platform. Reboke are working with the university to combat social isolation among the low vision community, offering a space for sharing experiences and building relationships targeting those with moderate to low vision impairment. The platform, still in development, is set to launch in 2025. San Francisco's Lighthouse for the Blind, along with other organizations, are advocating for the approval of Waymo's 24-7 self-driving taxi service permit. They believe autonomous vehicles offer enhanced safety and independence for people with disabilities. An open letter to the California Public Utilities Commission highlights the potential inclusivity of driverless cars. However, concerns about traffic disruptions have delayed the CPUC's decision. Both Waymo and its competitor Cruise await CPUC's approval to expand their services in San Francisco. Despite reported incidents involving these companies, advocates remain optimistic about the long-term benefits of autonomous driving. Waymo, initiated by Google in 2009, is at the forefront of this technology, offering services in multiple cities already. And finally, in a lighthearted twist to corporate rebranding, Elon Musk's newly renamed X, formerly Twitter, is hosting an online auction. Set to take place from September 12th to 14th, the auction will feature a myriad of items from its San Francisco headquarters. While many are standard office fixtures, some offerings stand out for their sheer quirkiness. Among the highlights are a seating booth crafted from a Montana barn, a mosaic tribute to Robin Williams using celebrity tweets, and an array of bird-themed memorabilia. Surprisingly, even the building signs are on the block, though buyers are tasked with their removal. The auction also showcases nearly 100 Google Jamboards, with many still in pristine packaging. The whimsical auction not only marks the end of an era for Twitter, but also paves the way for its future as X. It raises intriguing questions about the challenges of rebranding and the potential future value of these unique items. That's the Double Tap News for this week. I'm Grace Scofield. Thank you, Grace. As always, an incredible amount of news that comes out through the week, uh, some of which we uh, get to on the show and some of which we'll get to next week on the show. In particular, that conversation around the Capsis Smart Vision 3 mobile phone, Sean, because this is rather interesting. I immediately thought, oh, it's another Blind Show classic. Yes. This is another alternative to that. Uh, and they did have a device uh, called the Minivision, which was, I guess, a little bit more Blind Show classic-like. But this is a smartphone, a fully-fledged Android smartphone, Google certified. I think there's interesting words in there. Google certified device. Um, and this will be something which will be able to uh, download any app that you choose, and you can navigate the whole thing by touchscreen, or you can navigate it by the buttons that are on the device, the physical buttons. So we're talking T9 keyboard, and also those uh, dedicated arrow buttons, back buttons, and all of that. Um, I, I'm quite intrigued by this device, actually. This is a little bit different to what we've seen before. I'm intrigued to see how you feel about this, if you get hands-on with it. Mm. Um, because... I totally see the the um, positives with a physical tactile keyboard, uh, uh, physical buttons over a touchscreen for certain disabilities. I'm not 100% behind the, um, it's the gestures that get in the way. Um, but I think having the, the choice of the interface, either touch or buttons, is something that's, that's a good thing, um, as I said, depending on your disability. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I am intrigued by this. The very fact that you don't have to wait for the the company themselves to, you know, develop their certain flavor of app to get hold of it. You can download anything from the Play Store on this. Yeah, 
Yeah, you can download anything. I mean, this is a, this is your average. That's a big. That's a big plus. For yeah, it's your average Android device. Now, this is where I think Blindshell has a problem. And I said this. And I remember when we had the guys on. I think we had Barry Asman uh, uh, from the company on, who's the CEO of Blindshell USA, um, and we were chatting with him about this. And and this was one of the questions I put to him about this. I said, look. You know, you would have to, in theory, redevelop every single Android app out there in order for it to work on the blind shell. So, for example, if I buy the blind shell and and I think the blind shell is brilliant, but I want my banking app on there, I'd have to wait till you develop it. And there's no guarantee you would. Because how many banking apps must there be? They'd have to develop all these different banking apps all around the world to work on this device. And they are particularly... I mean, well, difficult yeah. when it comes to security, obviously, exactly. as they should be. It's yeah. So how does that work? And you know, you have a device like this that comes along. Now, I still maintain there is a good reason why the blind shell exists, because a lot of those people who want the blind shell experience might not want all that extra functionality. They might like the walled garden approach. Um, yeah, I totally understand that, and I still would stand by the blind shell. I think it's a fantastic device for what it does. Uh, in fact, I think it's probably the best example of that kind of feature phone rather than smartphone. I think there's a, there's a very important distinction between those categories because smart, I mean, they're all smartphones, right? They all have smart capabilities in them. Yes. But I think feature phone tells you that it's kind of built to do certain things, whereas a smartphone can do anything. I think, you know, maybe it's the wrong phrase or the wrong word. I, I, but I prefer the, the guided label to it. It's yeah, more, yeah. you know, like Synaptic or even the Dolphin Guide software for Windows. It's it's very much an easy, handheld way through an operating system. Which for a lot of people just makes it so much easier to navigate. That's all they need. Yeah, Absolutely. But there are people out there who would maybe enjoy using a smartphone but find the touchscreen difficult. Um, I've often, I mean, I'll be honest, I find some of the gestures on Android, I mean, I've only really experienced the Pixel and Samsung, Motorola in the early days, but, you know, Pixel and Samsung, Pixel more recently, I still some, sometimes think these gestures just don't work properly. Or, you know, I tap on the screen, nothing happens, and I swipe and... You know, even just even just think about touching the screen, and it suddenly it's the focus has jumped somewhere else. Um, it's just a, it's Welcome a little to bit iOS. Focus <laughs> well, jumping. yeah, that's today on iOS. Yeah, uh, exactly. No, I, I I do totally agree with you. Every Android phone that I've used, I find the gesture recognition just slightly off enough that uh, the the iOS recognition just seems so much more constant and reliable. Maybe even that's a little bit controversial. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. You know, because you kind of jo- know roughly. Okay, I know, I, I know what it's doing. You know, whereas I, I don't always understand what is going on with the Android. I'm like, where am I with this? I know what's going on. It just feels like it's not registering. If I'm swiping through that list in settings, so many times it will jump up just where I've started to do a new swipe. Yeah. It 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 that it, it either seems like it's too eager or it just seems a little bit laggy. But if I can avoid using the touchscreen and use it with a keypad. That sounds ideal. With top back turned on, that sounds quite intriguing to me. So, I, yeah, I am going to get hands-on with this. The company, uh, Raz Mobility, actually, are going to send me one of these to try out. And I am going to put it through its paces. And I'm not going to do the usual, oh, it's an Android. Oh, I'm not going to do all that nonsense, I promise you. Um, well, I might do a bit of that. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I am really intrigued with this because I think a lot of people might be thinking this could be the perfect blind smartphone because it does have the option to use the touchscreen, but you don't have to fiddle with the keyboard. The keyboard can be the problem for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did ask, you know, would this ever be possible? And we'll you'll hear more about this in the interview next week. But, you know, have they considered QWERTY keyboard, BlackBerry style? Um, and it was interesting, the response I got just in our, in our pre-conversation we had about the interview next week. I asked this question and he said, and the, and the guy I was talking to, Robert Felger, who you heard in the, the clip there, he said, um, yeah, the problem is there was no data really to tell us what blind people thought of the BlackBerry keyboard. Now, I thought that was interesting because mm. what, what I think the reason for that was because the BlackBerry wasn't accessible to many blind people, so blind people avoided it. So we wouldn't have a data on how or what blind people thought of the keyboard because they weren't using it at all. If it was an accessible smartphone, you would have a data on that. So I'm thinking of things like the Nokia E. Was it E ninety seven, E thirty seven? I had a um, 
Nokia mobile phone with a QWERTY keyboard that was accessible through talks back in the day. Mm. Um, but again, I, I don't see any difference between those QWERTY, physical QWERTY keyboards and the on-screen keyboard, purely because of the size of it. It's still, if you can't touch... Did you ever use it, BlackBerry? I never used BlackBerry, no. Yeah, see, I have to tell you, using the BlackBerry, uh, you would change your mind on this because I, I honestly thought they, I don't know what they did with that keyboard or how they did it, but that design of that keyboard was so unique in the way it worked that you could I could type on that without even thinking. It was so much easier. It was my favourite way to type. And it, 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 it just I miss it so much. And I wish someone would buy that technology, that particular keyboard layout or design or licence or whatever so what they would was, do. What was the trick there? Why? I just, it was just the way it was designed. You, you weren't... It's hard to describe, but your fingers never missed the keys. You could type on it. You could touch type with your thumbs. It wasn't difficult at all. It really just wasn't challenging. And it mm. began okay. what is today's modern virtual keyboards. But obviously it's more challenging when you've not got any physical. And that's the difference. You could have physical. You even had dots on the F and the J. I mean, you know, you could find your way around this keyboard. So, you know, it, it did make life a lot easier. Um you have to get to know the keyboard, obviously. Uh, and that's possibly why I think they've gone down the route of the T9 because it's more applicable. I just think it's a bit of a longer way to do things. But, you know, it's certainly I, I grew up with that, so it's something I'm used to. A lot of younger people might look at that and go, what? <laughs> oh, come on, you're not going to write an email in T9. Well, that's, that's kind of right. I mean, it was a different when you're writing a text message. So for um, people that don't know, T9 is where you, you, know, you hit the number two key once for A, twice for B, three times yeah. for C, and so on through the alphabet. It's, Hold it down I mean, for two. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Oh, I forgot that. Wow. Punctuation yeah. on number one, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was fine oh, the good the old time. days. Now, oh, come on. <sighs> well, we'll see. We'll see what people think. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely give you my thoughts on this. And how that works with a modern smartphone. That will be interesting. But there's other features to this as well, because, of course, that dedicated button at the side, the uh, Google Assistant button, that's good. But I also uh, like as well the fact that he was telling me, and uh, I'm preempting this entire interview, but the uh, the other thing that got me rather excited was that in a form field, in a text field, you could hold that down and it would instantly let you uh, dictate text dictate. into that. I like that. So th there's a lot of thought going into this. And yeah. it sounds like they've kind of brought a lot of the things together that people like. This could be, you know, if there was a reason to switch, this could be getting closer to the reason for many people to think this might be a, a better device. But look, we have to put it through our paces. We have to try it. One thing I will say before we, we move on, because goodness me, we must take a break. Um, I think that, you know, my previous experience of Capsis was they were very well-built phones. Very yep. well-built. So uh, that's good news as well. I think back to the old days of the Sony Ericsson phones I used to have that were like little... You know, they were, they were so solid. They were small phones, but they were solid. Oh, yeah. You can knock someone out with it. Absolutely. Um, not that you <laughs> That's should. That's a measure of, uh, of design quality. <laughs> could, could <consult. laughs> what are we talking here? Are we talking light concussion? <laughs> are we talking full blackout? What are we talking here? I don't know. Is that I, the I, new I, measure? Is that, uh, see, no, it used I to be toes. It. Now, it's, uh, now we're actually putting people out with them. That's, I just uh, think it's cool ideal. that now, now people that really struggle to use a touchscreen for whatever reason have more of an option because, as you said, the Blind Shell Classic is more of a hand-holding experience. And again, nothing wrong with that. It's a great, great phone. But for people who want to be a bit more, you know, go a little bit further, then now they've got the option with the physical keys. Yeah, so you've got a stepping process. If, if yeah. you start with one device, you can move to another. That's Yeah, that's what's great about all this. And, of course, if you did go from Blind Shell to uh, Capsis, for example, you're still on Android. So the apps you've bought, you're using... They would yep. still be usable on that other platform. You'd to be signing on the same Google account, you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, look, stick around. More to come on uh, that next week on the show. We're going to get to the other big topic of the week, and that is Twitter. Felix has been in touch with us about that. That is coming up next on Double Tap Express. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Yes, it is the Double Tap Express roaring into town, as it likes to do on a Saturday and indeed over the weekend here on AMI-audio and on podcast as well. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, 
Why not? Why not? Why you not? should be. Yes, it's easy to find. Just search for a double tap in exactly. your favourite podcast it's, app. It's on an internet near you. Mm, mm, mm. It's glorious. Um, and uh, also you can listen to us on AMI Audio, which I also strongly suggest. In fact, I think you should listen twice. I think you should listen to AMI Audio, then go and listen to it on the podcast, because yeah. that gives uh, gives uh, us more cred with, you know. Mr. F. God bless you, Mr. F. Right. You don't have to get up. It's fine. <laughs> the other F in my life today is Felix, who's been in touch. Oh. Hello, Double Tappers. Um, this is Felix, and today I am going to uh, say... Well, what could be perceived as those three magic words? Twitter is no more. Um, That's four words. Uh, in what? Well, you might decide to uh, do the whole do the whole breaking news thing. How good is that? Breaking news. Breaking news. Um, it should be long enough. Um, <laughs> yes. So apparently, um, Twitter is no more. So on it, they've changed their logo. That's no longer official. When you open it up on your phone, you get the wonderful X. Long live the power of the X. Um, Twitter still obviously looks and feels the same way, although it still says send a tweet, which is very interesting. <laughs> but, um, yes, Twitter is no more. It's gone. Um, they've changed, the logo's changed. The, uh, the way... You interact is is so much changed. Um, oh. Although, like I said, it still says tweet, but I I'd heard rumours that it just said uh, post. But at least from what I'm looking at on my phone, it doesn't say that yet. But I'm assuming that's coming soon. So um, yes, what does um, X mean? What will we do with it? Um, does it work the same way? All important questions. But anyway, I'll leave it up to you guys. This is Felix. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you, Felix. Um, well, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? Because, I mean, it's, it's a kind of an endless uh, change that is going on over at Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it this week. Or CapX, as my phone likes to call Cap-X. it. CapX. <laughs> CapX. The social media platform formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. Slightly more wordy, but that's what I hear people calling it all the time. And, and of course, the thing is, they're, they're developing, or he wants to develop, an everything app. As they call it, which is going—is it WeChat? Is that the name of it? The, the Chinese app, the Chinese one, where you can shop, make payments, chat, yeah. obviously. Um, yeah, and look, it, it, as a long-term plan, uh, this is uh, forward thinking. I suppose it makes total sense. He wants to be the app where everyone goes to, and Twitter itself played with this a few years ago about shopping and and uh, you know payments through it, but it never really took off. So it does make sense. And X, you know, as an algebraic term. <gasps> Wow. Uh, as in, it Hang could... on. Sorry. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. A bit late on that one. Uh, well done. I don't know if actually that's the right word. I just picked it out the back of my mind. But as, as the X could mean anything, it makes sense. So we will wait and see. I like it, the, the fact with the, the, the auction that's going on at the minute and the, you know, the cuts that they've made, it, it seems fairly obvious to me. They're just trying to hold on and crawl back some of that $44 billion, uh <laughs> in order to reach those long-term plans. But... I mean, you can see where they're aiming for, right? It does make sense, business-wise, I suppose. Yeah, well, I uh, look forward to seeing what it means in the future. But yeah, you're right. Uh, It still says tweet, but when you go to retweet something now, it calls it repost. So there you go. Slowly changing. Totally boring, but yeah, that's where it's kind of Yeah, nobody cares. Um, Okay, let's go to a different uh, topic now. This is literacy. And uh, James is chiming in on this. We've been talking a lot about Braille and literacy and and what, I guess, literacy means in Blind World in 2023. Hello, Stephen, Sean and Laura. I hope you are all well. This may be quite a long email, so I apologise to Laura. And if she feels the need to abridge my contribution, she is free to do so. In a recent episode, Fridays, I think, Lena mentioned literacy and a desire for a more nuanced, more inclusive understanding what takes into account methods of reading and writing that are not Braille-centric. When I heard this, I was at once disappointed and furious that people are made to feel that the methods that works best for them to create and consume content are undervalued, that they themselves may feel undervalued thanks to our conventional understanding of literacy. I think we can all agree that literacy is concerned with reading and writing. A limited description, certainly, but not as narrow as the belief held by some that the ability to read or write is an indicator of intelligence. Utterly ludicrous. Intelligence cannot and should not be predicated upon how or even if a person can read or write. 
In an effort to provide a measured response rather than the furious diatribe I originally began composing, I undertook some cursory research. The most recent scholarship I could freely access was from 2016. In What is Reading to What is Literacy, Catherine K. Frankel and her colleagues suggest that literacy should take account of both speaking and listening, and that literacy is nothing more or less than extracting and constructing meaning through interaction with text in a variety of forms. I like this proposed definition of literacy. It is flexible. So, if Braille is your preferred, or in some cases, necessary medium, great. I could not have completed my math GCSE nor my French A-level without Braille, and while I am grateful to know Braille and use it daily for work and pleasure, I do not believe myself to be illiterate if I listen to an audiobook or read with my screen reader. While I am passionate about Braille and believe that instruction should be provided for anyone who wants or needs to learn it, Braille should not be the arbiter of who is deemed literate. It is but one way to knowledge for the blind and visually impaired. Audiobooks, ebooks, and screen readers provide an alternative, but no less fruitful path. In the end, it is the journey to literacy that matters, not the destination. Once again, I apologise for the length of this email and hope that I have provided a measured reply. I look forward to hearing yours and others' thoughts on this. Warmest wishes, James. P.S. Is Lena the lady from the Braille Picture site? It is fantastic. Yes, six dots. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. That's that's Lena. Um, thank you, James. Really appreciate that. And um, a lot of food for thought in that one, actually, because I must say, I think I've listened to this argument from the perspective of Braille readers and, and often Braille readers who have been Braille readers since, since birth. And I think I've taken a lot of my guidance from them on this. But I actually wonder if, and, and just in the conversations we've had, I do feel maybe I've not heard the full story and maybe not even appreciated the full story, even from my, you know, sort of taking our own perspectives, my own perspective into account. Because, you know, I often think that literacy is Braille. You hear this a lot. Braille is literacy. But actually, I wonder if that's necessarily true in 2023. Maybe there is a new way to look at this. And, and actually, with technology... It does afford us the ability to read and write. It does afford us the ability to communicate. And is that any different to Braille? Do you know what? That was such a intelligent and well thought out email. I'm, I'm not sure what I can add to that. Uh, the question that you just put there, Stephen, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I always thought like I was slightly failing because I rely on screen reader speech output. Always felt that I wasn't, you know, achieving all that I should be or hitting what I should be hitting to be fully productive. And I still feel that, I suppose. But um, honestly, if, if you try and analyze it, what, what is the difference? Is seeing the actual, what I always come back to is that Braille allows you to constantly see how a word is is spelled, I suppose, or how a sentence is constructed, more akin to how you would if you could see a sentence and words. But does that honestly make a difference? I mean, that is one level of literacy. And as, as James rightfully said there, it's a sort of wishy-washy, it's a, a wide definition. It's, literacy is more than that, surely. I and don't also, know. I, I will also say I completely agree on the point about literacy and uh, it being tied to intelligence. Um because I, th I think that's a very dangerous route to go down. If you if, if, if people think that way, you got to stop thinking that way. Literacy yes, does definitely. not equal intelligence. I have met many people over my life who could not read or write and who are way more intelligent than the people who thought they were intelligent. I, I, I gotta, I, let, let's put it this way. If you meet someone who tells you they're intelligent, be suspicious. <laughs> because I'll tell you, the smartest person in the room is the one who admits they don't know. That's the truth. That's yeah. the truth of life. Absolutely. It absolutely yep. is true. Uh, okay, I want to get Gary's take on this. Hi, Stephen. I'm thinking that you, as a partially illiterate person, PIP, should be more forthcoming about Braille and illiteracy. <laughs> oh. It's like being partially sighted. Some of us are more illiterate than others. I am proud to say that I am slightly more illiterate than you. Good for me. We can both be proud that neither of us is as illiterate as Sean, since he does not admit to using Braille at all. None of this would matter if it were not for the label of illiterate carrying the cultural baggage of implying uneducated and mentally slow. Can I safely drive a car? No. Can I play a banjo? No. Can I correctly use a white cane? Uh, no. 
Can I read and write? Yes, no. Does typing count? When I was in elementary school, my mother was told that I should not try to learn Braille since that would interfere with learning to read and write, using what little vision I then had. I now understand that this was a false explanation for not teaching me Braille. Even at seven or eight, I am sure that I could have managed to learn two skills at the same time without ever taxing my young mind. I'll bet I could have been better at Braille than colouring inside the lines. I'm okay being a PIP and hope you are as well. Would I have done better over time had I learned both Braille and reading and writing? I seriously doubt it, but I suspect that some things would have been easier. If I have a point, and I may not, I think we continue to have two issues related to children learning Braille. First, we still behave as if children will get confused if taught Braille and reading and writing at the same time. Second, and the real issue I think, our school systems continue to use potential harm to children as the excuse for not teaching Braille and as the rationalisation for withholding the funding from children who need to learn Braille along with developing other skills, such as conventional reading and writing. It's not that Braille is not valued. The truth of it is that blind and low-vision children are not valued enough to be afforded the special education they require and deserve. It may be that the notion that children cannot learn Braille and conventional reading and writing at the same time has been around for so long that no one questions it. This is nonsense, of course, but we do love our nonsense. Yours, PIP to PIP, Gary Crow. I, I like that PIP. <laughs> that was excellent as well. Oh, we're under some great emails here. I, I can't disagree with anything. Well, that's why I wanted to keep these emails for today, right? Because, you know, we kind of had a chance to expand a little bit on this. And I know it's all part of the conversation we have every day on the show, but, but I just think this topic is so interesting. And you guys have been sending in such interesting emails on this. And um, and I love I the discussion we're having. Yeah. I'm thinking now way back when I, when I was at school, I'm thinking I had the same experience that it was decided that Braille wasn't to be taught. It wasn't helpful for me. But then I'm thinking I was forced, and this is dragging back trauma for me, forced to do PE, which is something I honestly couldn't do. And it, it was, I don't know, it was an, an hour or whatever, two hours of the week where it was, it brought nothing to me, gave me nothing. You know, uh, playing cricket, sat on the, on the field way out where the ball was never going to come to me. And even if it did, I couldn't find it. Totally pointless. If that was spent teaching Braille, I'd be so much better now uh, in, in, in that skill, obviously. Better in the, yeah, better in the skill. But I, I think what the part I've not quite got to is what would it have changed? So well, it would give me an option again. It's, it's coming back to the thing we always come back to, whether it be the you know, different blind shell or another Android smartphone or whatever. It's the, the, the having the option. If I've got the option where I can also gain access to information either through the screen reader, through speech, through audible means, or I could use Braille. It it, it gives you more options, which gives you far more flexibility, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is my take on it as well, which I, I kind of feel there's a lot more. I don't think I'd have changed my career. I don't think I'd have done anything different in my in my life. I mean, you know, I know the idea that I could have been a lawyer or an accountant or whatever. Yeah, that's all great, but I don't think I would have done that. No. Um, I probably would still have done this, but I can totally see that the value it would have added to this. You know, I, I remember when I uh, was doing my live radio shows every day and I'd have to read out notes and stuff on here and I'd be using JAWS. I almost sounded like a robot on the radio because I'm listening to Jaws in one ear and relaying that out live. Yeah, absolutely. And the information today comes from the... It sounds like one of those 50s announcers, you know. The, yes. And coming up next on the radio, <laughs> will be another guy talking about a thing. You know, it was all that kind of... It was just all... It was so robotic in the way I was doing it because I just couldn't... I was trying to process and You're speak listening at the same yes. time. It's just yeah. I'm, I can barely do one thing right at one point. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was so challenging and I know the benefit it could bring. Braille, I think, is a, is a hugely beneficial thing. But I think what Gary's point is, is that he's talking more about today and where we are and that we shouldn't feel less than. I don't know if I'd necessarily, you know, I think I'm always wary of going down the route of I'm proud of where I am regardless of because I'm just not I come from a background where pride is a negative, right? That's why where I live in this country is very pride is not something that is is ever uh, something that is uh, we, we you shouldn't ever display pride uh, or you'll very quickly be knocked off that perch. Um 
But I do think that, you know, we shouldn't think of ourselves as less because of what we've achieved. And I think that's where we're getting to with this. I certainly feel that. I feel in this discussion, we shouldn't be, we should be, dare I say proud, we we should be proud of ourselves as far as we've managed to achieve what we've achieved in life without that particular skill. It didn't, we didn't need it to get us here, essentially is what I'm saying. But that doesn't, therefore mean that I don't think kids growing up today shouldn't have that skill. They should. And I'm with you on this, that children can learn a lot of things. I mean, you know, bear in mind, these kids are learning mathematics, they're learning English, they're learning other languages all at the same time. Yeah. You can't teach them how to type and read Braille at the same time? Come on. Only one topic at a time. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And And it's such a missed opportunity because as children, you soak it in. Of course, the problem is for people like us, maybe not you and I, because we were born with visual impairments, but for those who come to this, let's say someone in their 20s loses their vision, they won't get that opportunity because no one will think it's something they could ever have. And it is more challenging even in your 20s to try and learn that because you've got your life to deal with as well. Yes. And this is the bit that we forget. You know, there's a reality in all of this. And of course, there's all the mental anguish of losing your vision and all the things we've talked about there. So it's not it's not simple as, oh, well, now you just get your Braille book and you start learning. No, there's <laughs> a lot yeah. more going on. Yeah. Um, and that's the, and of course, again, it's all individual, right? Some people are good at it. Some people are not. Some people pick it up in a flash. Some people don't. It's very interesting. But listen, it it's is. been a great conversation. Thank you for, uh, for taking part in it this week. Um, I know our Express was a bit different today, but I think you'll excuse us for that because it was a, an interesting discussion for sure. Um, that is it for today. We're back on Monday, though, at No Doubt Continuing This and many more conversations around the topics. In particular, on Monday will be the Victor Reader Stream 3, new firmware updates for the Sense player, uh, and your thoughts on that as well, and some other devices. Uh, these handheld devices that everyone's very excited about. Well, we'll be getting all of that and more of your feedback Keep it coming over the weekend. We love hearing from you. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. It's your show. Get involved. one 803 4567 That's it for the weekend. I'm off to uh, go for a walk. Go for a walk, <laughs> it says here. 22 Bye. miles. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.